Hey guys, welcome back to the Noonheim Golf Channel. I'm your host, Brandon Cubitt. And uh, today's interview, we're going to dive into a player who's trying to make it onto the PGA Tour. Um, I'm really interested on, you know, what are the steps it takes to get to the PGA Tour? You know, what are the ranks that you have to play in and how good do you have to shoot in order to get even a chance at playing on the PGA Tour? Um, so this guest that we have coming on is through a connection of one of my golf buddies. So the course that I play at Country Hills in Calgary, um, we host a Canadian Tour event. The Tour event is the ATV Financial um, golf tournament and it's something that I look forward to every year unfortunately with uh, COVID it wasn't able to happen but these guys come to our course where some of our best players shoot you know on a good day in kind of the high 60s these guys come in and shoot 62 63 for four days in a row like it's really amazing golf to watch and these guys are just on the Canadian tour so we're taking or, or sorry today we're talking to a guy who's making his way on the Canadian tour onto the Corn Ferry tour and just played in his first uh, PGA tour event a couple weeks ago so we're going to talk to him to see what uh, life is about um, with him. Um, before we dive into that interview, I have some pretty big news um, from a personal golf standpoint is that I had my very first albatross, um, something that we uh, definitely wasn't expecting. Of course, you know, you try to have good shots on uh, par fives all the time, um, but it was my first one. So I'm able to cross it off the bucket list and I got my first hole in one and now an albatross. Um, it was a par three, about five, or sorry, par five, playing about 560 and big downwind, crushed a drive and uh, I had 164 in, hit it uh, what I thought was pretty tight, couldn't couldn't see it go in, which was kind of a bummer. So um, my hole in one I saw go in the whole way. So the anticipation from getting from the tee box to the hole, you know, your heart is just racing nonstop. Um, but this albatross kind of wasn't really like that until we got up to the hole. We're like, oh my God, <laughs> it's in the hole. So um, personal golf, big check mark, cross off an albatross. That was a lot of fun. Um, for those wondering, it was 164, I was downwind, I hit a pitching wedge. So I hit driver pitching wedge on a par five. Um, um, I was really hoping I would get an albatross with like a four iron or a three wood. You know, I'm jealous of those guys that have that, but we'll keep trying. So on a personal side note, we had uh, our first ever albatross. So uh, that was a lot of fun. I was happy to share that with you guys. What we're going to do is talk to our guest today, whose name is Jake Schumann. Um, take a look for him because hopefully he'll be a full-time tour member. Um, we'll head over there and I hope you guys enjoy this interview. Hey, Jake. Hey, Brandon. How are you? Good, man. How are you? Doing well. Thanks for taking some time to do this with me. I really appreciate it. No problem. You, uh, so you're in Calgary? I'm in Calgary. That's correct. Yep. Whereabouts are you? Um, so I am in Philadelphia right now. Okay. So, yeah. so our connection is uh, Mark. So he was telling me that you stayed at his house when he came to play the ATB. I did. So that was two years ago now. Uh, it, was, it was two years ago now. Yeah, two years ago now, um, I played the full season in Canada and tried staying with host families as much as we could and save money. And also, you get to meet great people. And so, Mark and Janelle and Brandon and Aaron were uh, by far my favorites and um, just the greatest host that I, we could have had. I, I usually travel with my body, Will Register. Yeah. And um, we stayed with all, all great people, but um, Mark and Janelle are probably the only two that we really stay in touch with still. Nice. Um, so I'm looking forward to coming back to Calgary at some point, uh, but it certainly doesn't look like it's going to be anytime soon with uh, everything going on. Well, I got a funny story about Mark. I don't know if he's told you yet. He's probably going to kill me when he sees this on the podcast. He was just playing it around with a, a couple of buddies of mine. And I guess uh, things got heated. Some money was exchanged. And it, I think he broke three clubs out of his bag. Oh, <laughs> uh, man. I, I, I don't know if I believe it or not, but um, 
I'm going to have to call him and ask him about it. Yeah, the rumor is it was his driver, his three-wood, and his putter. So I don't know if it all happened at once. I wasn't there, but I'm hearing secondhand info that uh, – yeah, those are, I'm curious what happens. And those are three expensive clubs to break too. Yeah, I think he would have lost more money in uh, clubs replacing than uh, on the <laughs> golf course. We'll have to uh, investigate and see what he says though. Yeah, so um, I saw that you just uh, completed, was it your first PGA Tour event that you played in the Wyndham Championship? Tell me about that experience. Yeah, so it was awesome. Um, it was, so I've played probably, I don't know, 15 to 20 Monday qualifiers now for either Corn Ferry or PGA Tour. And I've gotten my first year out. I was never really close to getting into any events. Um, it's a whole learning experience. Monday qualifiers are so different than any round of golf, really, because if you're not seven under or better, you really, you know, you can get in your car and head home or head to the airport. And first year, it really took me a long time to get adjusted to standing on the first tee saying, okay, I, you know, I gotta be under par through the first four or five holes or else, you know, I'm going home. And, uh, I've played really well this year in Mondays and I play, this is, that, that was a stretch where I had 66, four Mondays in a row. Wow. But that was the only one I got into. Come on. Um, but so it was at a golf course. So I went to Duke. So this, uh, where the Monday qualifier was, was about an hour, hour 15 from Durham, North Carolina, where I, was, I spent four years and I was comfortable on the golf course. I love North Carolina golf, kind of pine straw, pine tree, awesome, fast Bermuda greens. And, um, I played great. Um, I really didn't think that 66 had a chance because I was the second group out and, um, so as easy as the golf course was going to play, but, um, I, I shot 66. Um, I was kind of what I was saying, like I was one over through three holes and I'm like, no, there, there goes that. And, uh, I'll move on to whatever's next. But, uh, I got hot in the middle of the round and, and shot 66 and decided to go get lunch. And I said, if I'm after lunch, if I'm still in the mix, I'll go back to the golf course and kept hanging on, kept hanging on. And, you know, it, it worked out that you, it wasn't even a playoff, which is bizarre. Um, typically, it's lower than that that you need. And I got very lucky, and it, it was cool that the other guy who qualified was actually a Duke golfer as well. Oh, no way. Um, so I've known him for six, seven years. So it was cool for both of us. It was both of our first times playing in a tour event. That's awesome. So what happens after you Monday qualify? Now you're given the go ahead that, yeah, you're on your way to a PGA tour event. What happens? Yeah. And so I think right now is a little different than normal because they, I wanted to go straight to the golf course. I I've played, it was at Sedgefield in Greensboro and I played there before, um, but it'd been a few years and I really wanted to go just check it out. And almost all my kind of la la land, like I'm so happy to be here. I wanted to get that out of the way Monday night. So that way by Tuesday morning, I could kind of just go about it as a normal golf tournament. But with COVID now, they said, I can't step foot on property until I go get tested. Oh, okay. So I had to go get tested on my way to get tested. I had a million questions to ask. I don't know. You know it's not like they're not going to hold your hand through it. Right. Uh, on junior golf. So they just said, you got to get tested. So that I have to find a caddy. My caddy has to get tested. And at that point I have to figure out a hotel for the week, all that. And, um, so I ended up calling my assistant coach from, from Duke actually um, played on tour for played professionally for 17 years. I think he played on tour for seven and then kind of 
Hooters, Nike, Hogan, Webb, all that for about 10 years. And um, he's caddied for me before and, and he was happy to do it. So, um, but before both of us could step foot on property, we both have to test negative and my results came back right away, but his results actually got tested Tuesday morning and his, his results took like four hours. Uh, so waited around Tuesday morning. Um, I got, I, I couldn't sleep much too, Monday night. Um, I was up early. I didn't sleep really probably more than four or five hours. I was and, and not out of nerves, but I was just excited. Um, and so I got there early hit balls. It was nice that this was, so the Wyndham was following the PGA. So yep. they were on West coast time. And so I knew all these guys would be getting out there middle of the day, late of the day, not 8am. So I got there early, got the lay of the land and, um, kind of just had to wait around for Bob to get there. You never know how long the testing is going to take. And it was all a learning experience for us, but, um, ended up getting there and, uh, Adam Long's a Duke guy. And so we, we said that I texted him the night before, um, and he was happy to play a practice round. So we got set up, played, uh, played some holes with Adam that day. And, um, kind of from there, I mean, it was kind of a surreal experience. Um, you're on the same putting room with these guys that you're looking at on TV. Um, and it took me a little while to realize it's just golf. Same golf course, you know, balls are still the same size, the holes still the same size. Uh, but really cool being around, you know, Brooks was there, uh, Justin Rose, Sergio, Patrick Reed, all, you know, not everybody was there that, you know, the top of the line guys just because it was the week before the playoffs started. Uh, but it was, it was a really great experience the first couple of days before, before actually playing. When you're playing a practice round, are you going out playing a normal round of golf or are you taking five or six balls out of bunkers? Like what's the yeah. process when you're playing a practice yeah. round? So um, I like to kind of hit, hit every tee shot, hit every second shot. And then on holes where I'm uncomfortable with a certain tee shots. So certain, you know, dog leg rights maybe aren't great for me. So um, I'll sit there until I've hit one or two of them and I know, okay, I've hit the shot and I've hit it in the fairway or around the greens, the PGA tour, I think does a pretty consistent job over the years of picking similar spots for all four days of the event. So especially playing with Adam who played there last year, his caddy would right away got to the greens and knew from his yardage book from the year before, this is Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Right. And so then we're putting to where the holes will be, in general direction, maybe not to the T, but within a, you know, five by five circle, maybe. Um, so a lot of pots chipping and putting, but they do speed up the greens and get them a little bit firmer, you know, Monday to Thursday. So it's a little different, but you get a general feel, but certainly not keeping score, just hitting shots, trying to get comfortable. And, um, yeah, it's, uh, more low key than, than come Thursday morning. So I'm sure you're hoping for four rounds of golf, but you got two in. So you got two rounds PGA Tour under your belt. Who were your uh, Who were you paired with the first two days? Yeah, so I was paired with Tom Lewis and Chris Baker. Okay, um, we're both awesome guys. Really good to me. Um, Chris Baker is PGA Tour rookie. Um, he's been grinding for 12, 13 years. I want to say he's mid 30s. Uh, this is his first year out there. And then Tom Lewis, who's from England, he's actually 50th, 51st in the world right now. Um, so he was, he was coming off a good stretch. I think he finished second at the WGC in Memphis. 
Um, but both good guys and um, we're uh, kind of a pleasure to play with. I, I know it could have been, you know, two guys who didn't care about me whatsoever and give, wouldn't have given me a second, but they were both good to me and uh, had some good conversations out there. What's the vibe like when you're walking around the practice screen? Are guys a couple double taking you? Like, who is this guy? Are they so in yeah. the zone that they could not care? Yeah, yes, I know. They don't, I don't think they care. Um, I think it's like any level of golf, you kind of have your circle of people. So, you know, if you go to a McKenzie tour event, I had when I traveled up there, like five or six guys I was good friends with. And like, you know, other people, but you're not going to stop and talk to them. You have your, your few guys, your, your buddies with, and, and that's kind of it. So, I think on at that level of the PGA tour, um, nobody's trying to be buddy, buddy, right. you know, I'm sure everybody has a couple of friends, but a lot of those guys travel with, with spouses, kids, whatever. So when they're at the golf course, it's work. And then when they leave, it's hang out with the family. Um, did, did you make your way into any uh, PGA tour equipment vans? Do you have any equipment deals that you're working with? Um, so I'm, I've been a tireless guy my whole life. Um, I'm from Massachusetts, so I'm loyal to the local company. Um, but they've been great to me and, and I didn't need anything. I've been playing really well, so I didn't want to change anything, but I also didn't want to say, Hey, I, I don't know when the next time the opportunity for a tour van is going to be. So I got a new driver head, um, and I got a putter on the way. What kind of putter um, did you get? So I got a Scotty, the, uh, flow back. Yeah. I, uh, I wasn't sure if I needed one. I putted great this summer. I, and, um, I told, I told the rep, uh, drew that I love the look of a blade, but the flow of a mallet. And so he said, okay, so this is, this is the best look for you. And so he said, I'll send one. So I'm excited for that to come in. Um, so cool. Did you have a, a circle T before that you were using? Uh, I had one. Okay. Um, I've got one in, in college and, um, it's not, it's no longer in the bag. It's been in timeout for a few years, Yeah, but, um, I do have a blade, uh, Newport two That's been great. The last kind of two and a half years that I'm probably not changing anytime soon because the ball seems to be finding the bottom of the cup. That's so cool. I'm a huge Scotty guy. So I envision if I ever make like a celebrity tour, if I can sneak my way into a title, this uh, I'm, go, I'm going right for the bag of putters. Yeah. I, um, I didn't want to step on any toes, but I also was like, you know, like this, this bag right here with all these putters is, is pretty damn cool. So I'm going to kind of weasel my way in there if I can. That's so cool. Um, right now, as we're speaking, the U S open just started. Um, uh, have you played in U S open qualifiers? Have you tried to get into that tournament before? Yeah. So I've tried a couple times, um, throughout high school. I remember that it never worked because it was all, my last two years of high school, it was during our AP exams, which is kind of a little bit of like a nerd thing for me to say. But I just remember that I was always upset and like, I was like asking my, the, my teachers, can we move it? And it's like the standardized, this is the day. And um, so I didn't really do it in high school, but in college we did it a couple times and we were fortunate to Duke University Golf Club hosted the local qualifier a few times. So I played it, never got through on our home course, but, um, I missed it. I remember, uh, it's gotta be 2016 or 17, maybe. Um, I lost, I missed it by a shot and the guy who beat me to get through was Andrew Landry. Oh yeah. Who's now on tour. And that was his kind of coming out party was, I believe it was Oakmont. So whenever DJ wanted Oakmont, 
Landry was at the local qualifier. I played with him. He got me by a shot. He got the last spot. And then all of a sudden, you know, I think he's a two-time winner on tour now. Crazy. It's amazing that all you guys are so good. Like I've watched you guys when you play our home course at Country Hills and, you know, for a good golfer at our course to shoot, you know, one, two, maybe three under, that's a good round. You guys destroy it. It's like 62, 63, 64. Like it's disgusting how good you guys are, that it's one shot, one day of the week that you guys are all right there. It's really kind of gross how close golf can be. There are far too many good players and make golf, I think professional golf compared to maybe 20 years ago, I'm sure it's always been incredibly competitive and hard to kind of get to the top level. But I would imagine now there's even more talent than there ever has been. And I mean, just go into a Monday qualifier and you, there are so many guys who can play on the PGA tour and they are all in the same boat where they, they don't shoot 64 or 63 that Monday. They have nothing to do for the next six days. And right. But it is what it is. And all you need is one or two good weeks and then you can be set. Totally. Um, do you got any buddies playing in the open this weekend? Uh, a lot of guys I've played golf with and played college golf with. Like, so we played with uh, like Victor Hovland, Matt Wolf, uh, Brandon Wu was I think a year younger than me at Stanford. Um, but who else is out there? Um, Adam Long is probably the only guy that I've, I've talked to here and there that's, that's playing. Cool. But we'll see what happens out there. It looks, I watched a couple hours this morning. It looks nasty. It does look gross. Yeah. It's, it's entertaining for sure. I think anytime they're predicting an over par score, it's, you know, yeah. I'd rather watch that than guys shooting 20 under. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's a little bit more relatable to the average, the uh, everyday golfer. Yeah. So what are you doing right now? What's cause um, as yeah. far as I know, there's no schedule for McKenzie tour or Corn Ferry. Yeah. what's happening. Yeah. So I'm just playing Monday qualifiers. Um, so I was supposed to play the Latin America season this year and that obviously is, uh, put on hold right now. And they're, they're saying we might get back to maybe the Dominican and some parts of Florida in December. But, um, I think that's all an ever changing situation. It's very fluid. So, um, I'm just playing Mondays for now. Uh, I'm going to Wichita, Kansas to play the corn Ferry Monday this coming week. And then from there, I'm going to go to Savannah, Georgia, and from there, I'm actually going to go to Vegas and try to do the Monday for the Shriners. That's awesome. Well, I wish you the best of luck in all those uh, Appreciate it. Those Mondays. Talking about the Latin American Tour, the uh, event you played previously to the Wyndham was in Mazatlan, Mexico. Yeah. Do you remember playing that event? Uh, yeah. It was a, a little bit of an odd time where kind of everything COVID was just starting to kind of pique the public's interest. And... The course itself in Mexico was, was very cool. Um, you know, it was hard to believe that that's kind of a work trip when you're on a, a resort in Mexico. It's, you're on the beach, and it's hard to take it very seriously and not have a beer maybe. But uh, it was great. The golf course was fun, and, and I went with a couple of buddies actually. So we had a good time about it. And I just remember, I don't know if it was Wednesday or Thursday morning, waking up to a uh, – a news article that the headline was Trump is thinking about closing the border to Mexico. Right. <laughs> I'm thinking we got to get, I don't know if I need to miss the cut and get out of here on Friday night or what, because I'm just thinking to myself, what happens if this, uh, if the border closes while we're, while we're there. So what happened? Did you go right home? We, uh, no, right we got, we actually stayed through the week and, um, it was, they, he didn't close the border or anything at the time, but, um, all, all went well. I, uh, actually missed the cut 
played well the first day, shot 66, and then was in a good spot and shot even the second day. And somehow six under didn't get through the cut. So talking it's, about how good players are. It's crazy. What's really ironic is I was actually in town in Mazatlan that week. So really? I was, yeah, I played Estrella Del Mar on the Monday yeah. after the tournament had wrapped up. Really? Yeah. Cause I think the winner shot like a 10, he was like 62 on the Sunday. Yeah. T- yeah. Yeah, so it was cool. I had never played a course set up for a pro event, and it was really cool to be there and and to you know test your own skill at a track. That I'm a you know I'm a plus golfer, so I was I think even. And to know that these guys are shooting ten under just blew my mind. I'm like I have zero chance of ever making yeah. money playing golf because you guys are just so sick. Yeah, it's uh, I, the scores were stupid. I mean, I, I that was probably the lowest cut I've ever seen. Where I mean, to think if you go. Sh- Went and shot two sixty nines, going home. Yeah. So speaks to the level of professional golf again. No kidding. What's the uh, what's the best day you think you've ever had on the golf course? Mm. Best day for full experience of just everything that's happened. Sure. I would say I, I went and uh, took a class in London in between my third and fourth years of of college and I went to the London school of economics there and took a class and we had a teammate who was from London. So he set us up to play some golf and uh, we went out and played Sunningdale, which is awesome golf course over there. I know it's my first time over there playing golf and um, it's parkland, but a little bit of links to it. It's not Scotland, but uh, it's different. And in the morning he, he actually had a bail. So he set me up with some member he knew. I didn't know anything about him. Turns out the guy is in his mid eighties and I'm thinking, you know, let's, you know, I don't want to play with the guy who's going to go shoot a hundred. You know. We both walked, played the morning. He shot right around his age. Nice. Carrying his own golf bag. And we played for three hours. He said, you want a pint? And I was like, sure. Like, I mean, we, we went out at eight o'clock. We were done by 11. We were having a beer at 1115. And he said, what are you doing the rest of the day? I was like, I don't know, I'm just going back into the city and you know, go from there. And he said, you want to play the other golf course? So there's 36 holes at Sunningdale. There's the old and the new, and the, um, they're both incredible golf courses. And I thought he was just going to send me out on his own. I didn't think this 80-something-year-old was, was ready to carry his bag for another 18. And we went off, the two of us played, played another 18, another three hours, and then had another beer at the end, and it was – 36 holes of incredible golf with two beers walking all in eight hours. Wow. And that was an experience I'll, I'll never forget, forget really. That's really cool. Yeah. Um, do you know what the worst day you ever had on the golf course was? There are really no worse days. I mean, a day at the golf course is better than a day pretty much anywhere else, right? Yeah. Uh, I'm sure you get that a lot. And yeah. It's true. I mean, playing crappy golf is not fun, but at the end of the day, when you're outside spending time out there, it's still better, but, uh, probably the worst day. Um, I, I still remember this to a T is I was 10 years old and I was playing in the U S kids world golf championship. So like when you hear the, the words like world golf championship, you think it's like the masters when you're 10 years old. And so this was my first time ever traveling out of state for a golf tournament. And I um, thought it was the world's biggest deal. It was Pinehurst. It was really cool. And uh, 
kid I'm playing with asked me to move my ball marker because it was in his line. And I'm 10 years old. First time really playing a golf tournament. I forget to move it back. And this kid and his dad are standing right over it. And the second I hit that putt, they're like, that's a two-stroke penalty. You didn't move it back. And I'm, I'm 10 years old, so I don't know how to handle my emotions. Like, I'm mm-hmm. so upset. I'm crying. I'm pissed off. Uh, my dad was caddying for me. It's kind of the first experience for him as well. And, like, it, it ruined that experience for me that week. But I'll remember it. I have never forgotten to move a ball mark back since. Yeah. Um, so that, that might be – you know, my first like real golf tournament experience was kind of, I don't know, a little bit ruined with that, but now I won't forget it. I, I know the rules of golf, um, but that might be the worst golf experience, but there, there aren't too many to choose from. Hey, that's the definition of a new nine is that you yeah. learned your lesson and yeah. screw that kid and that dad. Like yeah, exactly. they are like, come on, if you know this 10 year old didn't move his ball marker back, just tell him, man, that's brutal. Yeah. Exactly. Have you had any uh, new nines in pro events? Have you had any, uh, you know, like 40, 30s or something crazy? Yeah, I think kind of in the, as I've matured as a golfer, um, just the understanding how one shot can make the make or break it. So, you know, missing the cut by a shot or um, there have been a handful of events where I've lost by a shot. And that four footer, maybe on, on Thursday afternoon where you're kind of maybe tired and just want to get in. And, that don't quite take your time over, you end up missing it. And then that one shot makes a the difference of either covering your costs and expenses for the week or not. Um, that's an experience that in learning, learning curves that you learn fairly quickly. But um, I think the biggest new nine for me on the golf course is Q school. Hmm. You can't uh, simulate Q school until you've played it where it is this like, it is life or death. It's not life or death, but it's do or die, right? Right. Where you either get through or you don't. And the first year, my first fall playing, um, it it was an incredible experience where the getting through first stage was this unbelievable joy. And then you're like, well, it doesn't matter that I just played great. Now I have to go play against better players on a harder golf course for the same exact reason. And, um, the first year I missed it by a shot getting through mm-hmm. to final stage, which would have given me at least status. And I don't, you know, I would have gotten a final stage, which would have, uh, probably changed hopefully trajectory of where I am now, maybe a little bit, but, um, that one shot you realize over the course of four days is can be anywhere. Um, and to just try to be level-headed, don't be emotional and just try your best and, and try to commit to every shot as much as you can. I think a lot of guys will say that, you know, the best golf they play is after a couple of beers and some music going and you're just firing at pins because you don't care if you miss, right? Yeah. Are yeah. you able to simulate something like that in professional rounds when you're playing for, you know, uh, status or money? Yes and no. I, I think that I've learned where uh, not being in your head too much about the money side of things, which is a lot easier said than done, right? I mean, when, when you're playing for a hundred bucks versus a hundred grand, that still is going to make a difference until you're really on the PGA tour. Um, and understanding that you have to 
try to put that aside and just remember it's the same game that you and I grew up with when we were five years old versus when we were 25. Um, Ball doesn't know the difference with who you are or what the situation is. It's it's still golf. So I I think you can try and I've gotten better at it. And I think I'm learning how to kind of just play golf and not worry about everything outside of that. But um, it's a learning experience for sure. You briefly mentioned some costs associated with um, trying to play full time, right? Um, golf's not an inexpensive sport. I'm interested if you're willing to get into it. You know, yeah. how, how how do you fund your journey and playing yep. these qualifiers and travel and caddy? And I, I imagine it adds up, right? Yeah, it's. Uh, I remember the first conversation I had with uh, Julian Surrey, who's a Euro Tour guy, went to Duke. Um, he's had a lot of a lot of success. Uh, won a couple times over there, but just asking him was like, Hey, what are you spending every year? Like how much money do I, I need to raise to try to do this? And I thought maybe he was going to say like 30, 40 grand a year, which is still a ton of money. And he was saying, so at his level on the European tour, he's spending between like two and $300,000 a year. Wow. That's going to and from Europe. And that's having a caddy every week. That's playing 25 weeks of the year. So that's a little different. Uh, I think on like the developmental tour, mini tour kind of life, it's far less. Um, I think guys in kind of my situation can spend anywhere between 50 and 75,000 a year. Um, depends how you are with your money. Like if you're, if you're going to Chipotle every night, you're spending seven, eight, nine bucks. If you're going to Longhorn Steakhouse, you know, shouldn't be spending $35 on a steak basically is what I'm getting at. Right. I was fortunate where I had, two companies helped me out right away um, where I signed some uh, two-year sponsorship agreements with them. And that got me started. That probably raised about 50% of the money I needed. Um, and the rest was a couple family friends willing to help me out. And so now uh, I've made enough where the last 12, 16 months I've been able to support myself. Uh, I hope that continues. Playing in, playing in uh, Monday qualifiers definitely drains the bank a little bit quicker than playing mini tour events just because you're spending eight, nine hundred bucks just on a one day event between wow. travel, travel, entry fee, practice round, things like that. But does, uh, does, it, does it feel a little criminal that they're charging that much to you guys to play one event? Yes. It's, it's way too much money. Um, yeah. They can charge whatever they want. People are going to play if, it, if it's 700 bucks or if it's 50 bucks. It's the only way to get there. But I think that the practice rounds being 75 to 100 bucks is a little criminal. Um, you know, last Sunday uh, in Chicago, practice round was seven, I think it was 70 bucks plus cart plus range balls. And I'm like, plus balls, come on. Plus balls. Like, at least give me 20 balls. I'm just trying to see the golf course. I'm not trying to grind on your range and beat it up all day. Yeah. Oh, that's brutal. That's, yeah. uh, do you ever feel like a professional gambler trying to make these uh, events? I think, that's, I think that's what this is to a, to a degree. I think you're, you're gambling on yourself. Um, mini tour golf, all it is is, a, is an organized money game. Right. Just with really high stakes. Yeah. Um, because you're not playing for anything besides money versus like when you're on the McKenzie tour, you're playing for, uh, corn fairy spots or whatnot, but it's a good way of looking at it is it is gambling. No kidding. Um, have you had a new nine in life? Maybe not golf related. Have you had any uh, personal stuff go down that you've been able to, uh, you know, prevail for them? 
Um, yeah, I mean, I've been really fortunate to have had a fairly, um, I'd say adverse free life to this point. And I knock on wood there, but, um, I'd say one thing is when I was 16, I went to a golf school in, in Florida to spend a, a winter there and get out of the snow in Boston. And about six weeks in, my parents were lucky enough to be able to send me to this place, spend a fortune. And six weeks in, I break my wrist. Oh. And I remember on the way to the hospital, like I knew the second I broke it, I was messing around on a tennis court. And I knew the second I fell, I broke it, dislocated it. It was no doubt I broke it, right? And I refused to call my parents. And the, uh, the, the, the lady the, who drove me to the hospital was like, you, you have to call her. You have to call your parents. And I'm like, I can't do it. And, you know, my dad was on a plane like four hours later to Florida. I ended up needing surgery. So then I actually flew back to Boston uh, to have surgery in Boston. And um, I think I'm a lot more grateful and um, understanding and happy to be on a golf course and happy to be healthy. Totally. And I think until you're sidelined with something like that, you don't appreciate what it's like to be able to just play golf every day, do normal things, eat with your hand, you know, everything. You forget how much you use your hands until you can't use one of them. So the funny story is I actually, so I, I broke my left wrist and I fractured my right elbow. It was a nasty fall. Hmm. So I had cast on the left hand and I was in a sling with my right. And so I couldn't feed myself. So I just, I enjoyed it for a couple of weeks. <laughs> chicken nuggets and they toss them on the table and then I just kind of bob my head down and pick up some chicken nuggets. That's funny. Yeah. That's wicked. Okay, Jake, that's all that I got for you, man. That pretty yeah. well wraps us up. Okay. Um, definitely cheering for you in all these uh, future events. I hope that we see you on the PGA Tour uh, full-time, that's for sure. Awesome. Awesome. Well, appreciate it, Brandon. Uh, get that story on Mark. I'm curious what the uh, club throws. I will for sure. Is there anything else I can plug for you? What's your Instagram? Do you got a website anyone can go to? Uh, Instagram, I'll tell you in a sec. Uh, it's, it's kind of hard. It's JGS, uh, one, one, three, eight. Was so, that just, did that just, was that like a, so, a Instagram it, generator it, uh, name? Yeah. So it's my initials. So the JGS is my, are my initials. And then one, one, three, eight was, I believe it was my parents first home phone or something where it's a number that's stuck in my head forever. Yeah. Um, and it's like all kind of usernames and whatnot that my family has. It has eleven thirty-eight in it, so I, I took it and ran with it. Like it. Now we know. Okay, everyone, that was uh, Jake Schumann, uh, hopefully future full-time PGA Tour player. So thanks so much for joining us. Thanks, Brandon. Okay, guys, that wraps us up. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Jake. I hope it gives some really good insight on how to get on the tour, what type of things you're, what type of scores you need to be shooting. Um, it's really a grind. So I have so much respect for these guys that are going after their dreams and they're trying to, you know, crack a full-time PGA Tour spot. You know, it's not all, uh, uh, you know, checks and endorsements right out of the gate. So there's a lot of grinding that goes into it. And I think that Jake gave uh, a really good insight on what it takes to become a, a PGA Tour member. So thanks again for watching. Thanks for following. Make sure you subscribe. Check us out on Instagram at new9golf. Um, put on post notifications. Check out our new videos coming out. What we're doing is we're actually releasing a lot of um, unboxing videos. So stay tuned for those unboxing videos. And uh, I look forward to uh, talking to you guys soon. Support the golf community. Play around while the, the season is still intact. Um, buy some stuff from your pro shop. Do what you can to support the golf community. So thanks again. And we'll talk to you soon.